Okay. So any update or you just want to go with the questions? Um, let's take the questions. Okay. Um, Sumati, you're mute yourself. Good morning, Guru Maharaj. Morning. Um, my question is about the, the Harmonist post yesterday about um, Baladev's evolution. And um, according to him, um, he said, according to the Bhagavatam, that when <clears throat> uh, Krishna became the cowherd boys and the calves in the Brahma Vimohan Leela, that was the year in which um, all the, the older cowherd men had their daughters married. And Gargacharya said that they couldn't marry Krishna because he was going to be leaving for a long time and he needed to marry other cowherd boys. But um, according to Baladeva Yabhushan, the gopis married Krishna during that year that Krishna manifested as the cowherd boys. So they were technically married to him. And I had never heard that before. And I was wondering what you had anything to say about that. I've heard that before. I didn't read the article and I didn't realize that as as it appears from what you're saying that, that, that Baladev Vidyabhusan had raised this point in his own commentary. Um, I don't remember ever seeing that in the commentary of Baladev on, on, on the Brahma Vimohan Leela, but um, perhaps he said it somewhere else. Um, uh, but again, uh, I have heard that idea um, before. Um, and it um, it's I would say that it seeks to um, in a way, um, dismiss which is done through other uh, reasoning as well on the part of other acharyas the idea that the gopis had husbands other than krishna and um, were somehow compromised thereby um, you take for example uh, Radharani's husband Abhimanyu has been described by some acharyas as, an, as a particular expansion of Krishna, you know, for the purpose of the Leela. So she's married to him, but but he's actually an expansion of Krishna. So um, there are any number of ways in which uh, different acharyas have tried to um, make this point so this would be um another one um uh, by way of saying that well uh the gopis were betrothed which would have been the case at this age 
um, to um, all the coward boys, but all the coward boys at that time were expansions of Krishna, so they were betrothed to Krishna and no one else. Um, it's it's kind of charming, yeah. um, <laughs> but it, it took, for me it's 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 a little problematic. <laughs> Um, at, at, at the same time, um, because what would have happened afterwards, <laughs> after the year, um, then all those boys would have been there and they would have been betrothed uh, and so forth. And, and we don't typically look at the coward boys as betrothed uh, to, to, the, to the gopis. And, But um, as you know, as, as not being married, I mean, it, it, it is true that in Gopal Champu, Jiva Goswami has Sridham get married at the end. Um, but this, I would say, is part of his Swakya perspective that he repeatedly um, voices in all of his principal. Uh, major and minor, you know, literary contributions, practically. Um, the idea being that Krishna is tastes parakya in the, in the manifest lila, but in the unmanifest lila, the romanticism of Krishna and the gopis is swakya or married. That's very different from the rest of the acharyas, and some have tried to uh, reason that he didn't actually take that position, but took that position in relation to some students and persons at the time who couldn't digest the idea of, of parakia. Um, and for that matter, there, there is thought to be a region in Goloka where there is Swakia, but it would be outside of the Gokul itself. Anyway, it's a complicated theological um, um, issue. What's Jiva Goswami's actual position? But in Gopal Champu, like in other places, he, he has Radha and Krishna um, marry and so forth, and it's a Swakya Leela. So in the context of that, he's also got uh, Sridham marrying, for example. <laughs> but typically that's, uh, that's not the case. In the window, as I like to put it, or the Prakash, um, in which we, um, which has been offered to us, in the apricot leela, that section of the leela that we have an opportunity through our sampradaya, a window to go through, if you will, um, uh, does not include these coward boys being betrothed. And for that matter, they're pretty young to be betrothed. Um, so is Krishna, for that matter. The gopis may be of age, but they would typically be betrothed to persons who are you know, elder than um, then uh, Krishna and his friends who are pretty much the same age as them. Um, so the, for me, um, I, I, I prefer other uh, ways in which the Goswamis and other Acharyas have, have reasoned and argued to dismiss and do away with the idea that the gopis are somehow 
compromised in any way, shape, or form by, by virtue of being married to someone else, even if it's only officially, even if it's... Um, anyway, typically, they're said to be illusory husbands, you know, again, manifestations of Krishna for the, for the purpose to lead like, like Abhim, Abhimanyu, Radharani's husband. So I like I look I like to look up that article. Someone else mentioned it to me, and, and I didn't didn't see it. He didn't mention that. She didn't mention that point. But um, I'll go take a look at the article, um, and I would like to see if if, if, if where Baladev Bhutan has has made that argument and to what extent. But um, those are you know some of my thoughts um, on the matter. Um, but again, I I would uh, I'm not getting married. <laughs> Not here or not there. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I'm certainly not going to get betrothed to, to, to one of Krishna's gopis. Would not be. I'm certain of those gopis here and now, here and there. So hope that helps. Interesting. Yeah, thank you. Interesting subject. Though. I was also wondering if you could say a few words about um, the Panahati. Uh, about what? The Panahati festival that's being observed today. Panahati festival is a famous festival. Uh, I'll tell you one thing about the Panahati festival. Um, in more contemporary times, um, I was uh, with Prabhupada in Mayapur when he was invited to Panahati. Wow. By the you know presiding uh, lineage there, Gaudi Vaishnavism, and um, they wanted to host him and uh, enter into talks about the possibility of his 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 uh, uh, sect, his society, Iskon, having some role in um, um, the service at Panihati improving the place and so forth, which Prabhupada was fond of doing and which was something that uh, was uh, dear to Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur that Prabhupada wanted you know, to continue. Um, and so we went to Panihati. I drove in the car with Prabhupada to Panihati and they had a nice feast and they had the chip, you know, the, the chipped rice and yogurt, which is which is uh, which is fit the feet that the festival is famous for. This is a festival at uh, um, the time of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Nityanandapur. Nityanandapur arranged this uh, festival in, in Panihati and engaged his his primary disciples there. And well, who, who, who accompanied by them, I should say, they sat with him. And, Received special honor and so forth, and uh, um, I think that if I, if I remember correctly, Raghunath Das must have paid for it. Yeah. Uh, he was from a very wealthy uh, family, and on that occasion, um, Nityananda he was able to endear himself to Nityananda who expressed uh, uh, some special measure of affection for. Raghunathas, um, he was very much blessed by Nityananda Prabhu. Um, so this was, uh, you know, uh, among the uh, 
one of the prominent uh, leaders of Nityanandabu, and the festival was large, and many people were, were served, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mystically appeared there to the eyes of some, along with Nityanandabu. Um, but uh, anyway, in Panihati, uh, when I went with Prabhupada, it was nice, and there was a feast, as I say, and Prabhupada spoke a little bit. But for me, the main feature was that I was with Prabhupada, and I was standing behind him as he was getting up, as I recall, to depart, and he, he collapsed wow. physically, wow. very weak, and, um, and I caught him in my arms, underneath his arms, wow. my arms went around him, embraced him, and held him up. So that's my memory, the prominent memory of Panihati. It's a good one. Um, and of course, he was, he was fine and, and whatnot. But um, this was, you know, in later years of Prabhupada's uh, manifest presence among us. Um, but uh, again, yeah, that was something that he was um, committed to. And ISKCON has been successful. I don't know if they do anything in Panihati now. They have any 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 presence there, but they do in a number of places in Bengal. Lila Stalis of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates. And it's, it's very nice to see. Um, one of those places, as an aside, is that Prabhupada wanted um, his disciples to help to develop to serve. Um, was the um, the place of uh, Udaranda Tatakoya that Prabhupada used to visit annually. In pilgrimage with his family. He was the patron saint of Udarandatta of Prabhupada's family and um, arguably the, the greatest helper in terms of wide outreach um, of Nityananda Prabhu. And there's a letter that Prabhupada wrote uh, to the uh, Mahants there expressing his desire to serve and so forth. That letter is, is, is available. It's a nice letter. You can see Prabhupada's feeling for the for the place. So that had, as far as I know, that hasn't been done. I still hope that I can have something to do with that myself. But I'm getting off of track. The festival is very important. Um, in in Iskon, it's celebrated prominently in Prabhupada's temple in Atlanta, Georgia, right. where I was also happened to be with Prabhupada when he came there after having visited very briefly uh, Central America, Mexico. Um, perhaps uh, Panama, I think he might have even touched into uh, uh, Caracas and Venezuela. And wherever he was going there, whichever he had never been, there were so many devotees. And all the temples had deities of Gore and Nityananda. And Prabhupada was like astounded by this. Um, when he got to Miami, coming up north, there was Gore and again. And when he got to Atlanta, which is just north of that, then born into Nanda were first adding deity. So Prabhupada was just like overwhelmed with Bhav for Gornitananda and their outreach, which of course he was uh, you know very much involved in. And um, so in Atlanta he was very emotional and it was a, a place of convergence for many, many devotees in North America. Um, many of us were traveling in vans and distributing books, and we all kind of showed up there. It was a big uh, crowd. I had a chance to speak personally with Prabhupada on a couple of occasions uh, during that uh, three or four day period that he was there. But one of the things that uh, 
Prabhupada did was um, he played the Murdanga and sang um, from the Vyasa song, which wasn't typical of him, um, just overwhelmed with uh, emotion with regard to the magnanimity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Very touching. And somehow or other, um, um, it became named New Panihati based on something that Prabhupada said, and I forget exactly what. And they celebrate it there every year, big, in, 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 in grand, uh, uh, a grand style, if you will. New Panihati. <laughs> so uh, a few words about that. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. Thank you. you. Very endearing. Very okay. Nice. What else? Another question? Um, Mohini had a follow-up question about the Panihati Festival. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask, uh, relating to the um, Panihati Festival today, because we'll be celebrating it today, and we're going to read the, the pastime in the Chaitanya Charitamrita after the Q&A today. So I just wanted to ask you, uh, what, what would you say would be like the most important like um, lesson or lessons um, to be learned from the pastime? Um, okay. Well, I think that um, the, uh, the magnanimity of Nityananda is, is uh, comes out pretty strongly in that uh, that festival, his taste for yogurt and chip rice. <laughs> uh, also, um, I think the lessons that, and you can read about that in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the things that he said to um, Raghunath Goswami are um, significant uh, takeaways uh, from that that pastime. Das Goswami being a, such a prominent uh, leader in founding Acharya for the Sampradaya itself and his trajectory, if you will, from a house, well, um, son of a rich um, uh, parents in, uh, in Bengal to uh, eventually leaving home and joining Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in um, Puri and becoming a renunciate, renunciate uh, to after the passing of Mahaprabhu, um, going to Vrindavan uh, and uh, retiring, if you will, there and writing many esoteric texts himself. That trajectory really has its kind of beginnings in the Panihati uh, festival, where Nityanandabu. Um, speaks to him and I think he called him a thief there and mm -hmm. in, uh, in jest um, and uh, showed great affection to him. So I would, I would look to that, uh, that conversation between Raghunath Goswami and Nityananda um, and I think that's kind of the highlight, if you will, of, uh, of, the, of the festival for us. We're going to pass the song. Okay.
Okay, um, Vijay Kumar has a question. Daniwats Gurudev, good to see you. You look very healthy. Your uh, version of the Bhagavad Gita is very nice. And um, there's a question that I have in chapter eight, verse 17. And I looked it up in the Veda base. There's a scholar that had the, uh, a mention of a, this verse directly uh, when he was talking to Prabhupada that those who know that day of Brahman lasts for a thousand years and his night lasts for a thousand years knows what day and night are. So that's a little confusing. Um, so we know that it's a long, long duration, but you clarify that we know what day and night are because we know that Brahman lives like insignificantly long for us. Uh, I looked it up in Prabhupada's version and it, it says by the calculation of a thousand years, ages taken together from the duration of Brahman's one day, such also is the duration of his night. So how, how do we know? We know what day and night are because we know that Brahman lives for a long, long time. But Are you saying that some scholar that you read translated the verse in that way as if it was saying, we know what day and night is? Yeah, well, there's a kind of, I looked it up in the database and the scholar uh, mentioned it just like you have it in your verse. How do I have it in my verse? Those who know that the day of Brahman lasts for a thousand yugas and that his night lasts for a thousand yugas know what day and night are. What does the commentary say? Did you read the commentary? Yes, I did read the commentary and it, it just says that it's a long duration and your uh, mention is that we have, uh, or I think Prabhupada mentioned that we see uh, little insects that live for like less than 24 hours. I think there's one insect that lives for 15 minutes, right? Compared to us, we, we would, you know, our hundred years compared to his 15 minutes of a hundred years is compared likely to what Brahma, our, you know, but knowing what day and night are. So since we know that, we know what day and night are, but I still don't know what day and night are. Well, I'm not sure uh, about, uh, it's probably a more literal uh, translation that I, um, I think I strived for in, right. in the text, um, leaving it to the commentary to explain, but it doesn't sound like the commentary explains that very well. Um, it's been a long time since I did that maybe 22 years so i don't so remember the scholar, what the i different, what, but you what said the scholar said the scholar yeah. said uh that the yuga he knows the truth of day and night you said yugas know what day and night are and the scholar in Prabhupada's question uh when he's having a conversation with Prabhupada said he knows the truth of day and night and then Prabhupada well, I think that uh you know I, i'm not sure what comes to mind is that um, you know I, that that there is a microcosmic sense of day and night that we all there. experience, and it's relative to the type of embodiment that we um, 
are experiencing at present, whether it be, as you say, an incident, an insect, and the day and night is, you know, is, is 10 minutes of each or whatever, or if it's our cells and the day is uh, 12 hours, let's say, and the night is 12 hours. Uh, those are more microcosmic perspectives. And um, the larger macrocosmic picture, which right. arguably would be a more clear understanding or an entirety of what day and night means would refer to night and day of Brahma or even the life uh, of Brahma and the, and the cosmic uh, uh, annihilation, if you will, the coming and going of, 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 the, of, of the worlds. Um, so we're just a microcosmic example of something that's going on on a larger scale, understanding which puts our day and night um, in perspective. Ah, okay. That's the way I would think about it. Thank you All for right. the question. Yeah, and well, thank you for your, your help because they still don't know what day and night is other than that it's a long, long time for Brahman. It's very short for us and very short for an insect, yeah. Right, well, it's day now, relatively speaking, but from a map cosmic perspective, um, it, it may not be so to include that <laughs> perspective but it's day now for us you can be sure about that <laughs> thanks okay. good to see you thank you another question hey this um question is in the chat so i'm gonna read it to you it's from pedro um it says hello maraj this week somebody asked me why i believe in krishna I said, there is no really why, I just do. And they said, but have you actually seen him? And I said, no. So I was wondering, I know Vaishnavas don't actually care about seeing Krishna, but have you, Maharaj, seen him? Maybe during sadhana or in a dream? Well, um, what I would say to that First of all, is that um, you believe in Krishna and someone asks you why, I would say, first of all, is there a better candidate? Has anyone spoken about someone else who might be more worthy of that uh, status? And as far as I can see, I'm sure Pedro, as far as you can see, that, that that's not the case. And we can make a good argument um, for that. Um, um, so one of the reasons that we believe that Krishna's God, because we haven't heard a better, the case hasn't been made that someone else better um, uh, fits into that role. Jesus is the son of God. Muhammad is a prophet. Buddha says there is no God. So, you know, who's left? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, well, if you want to go in there and say, well, Narayan instead of Krishna, but, you know, even if, even if Narayan Krishna is considered an incarnation of Narayan, he's still God. So I don't know of a better candidate um, out there. Um, if we if we dismiss Jesus by way of making him only the son, um, which is not to diminish his position, but is what he said about himself, the two are one, but they're different <laughs> at the same time. 
at Buddha, as I said, you know, using the, looking at the prominent religious traditions in the world, Islam, Buddhism, uh, Christianity. Um, I don't think the Mormons have, have you know, identified God uh, <laughs> per se. So Krishna's the best candidate out there. And that's just, you know, in kind of a humorous way of talking about it, but even in, if we look deeply at what's been said about him, uh, what's been theologized about him and so forth. Well, this is a pretty good argument for that. That said, um, another reply that you might offer, Pedro, uh, if the question should arise again, is that no, I have not seen a Krishna, but I have seen love of Krishna. Hmm. And if for there to be love of Krishna, which we see embodied in saintly persons, that has certain characteristics that include, for example, control of the senses, control of the mind, harnessing the human uh, passions, which is, which is um, miraculous to be able to do that mm -hmm. um, in and of itself. Um, such walking miracles, if you will, sadhus, saintly persons, who actually have the uh, characteristics of love of God, which would include um, marginally speaking, no love for anything else or in any disconnected way from God. love for everything, but, but uh, all things seen in relation to God and love only for God, no, no lust for anything else, no attachment, so on and so forth. Uh, I think there's a very good and objective criterion that we could raise, put forward as to what it means to be a lover of God that would dis it would be e an ego effacing uh, you know perspective where um, the self-centeredness that is that is um, the prominent feature if you will of material life is is, is absent uh, self-sacrificing and so on and so forth these kind of persons sadhus saintly persons uh, in them we see love of God so the, the, the two, you can't have one without the other. Because I, you could say, Peter, because I don't love God yet, I haven't seen him. But I have seen those that do love God. Therefore, I, on that basis, I know that Krishna, that love Krishna, and, 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 and they exhibit the godly qualities. So there must be Krishna. Another answer, that's another way of answering the question. Um, um, but as for uh, seeing Krishna, yes, I have seen Krishna. Another question? Uh, Any thought to me? Wonderful answer. Um, we have a question in the chat, Shemasu. And there are many examples of such also, about on you know, in the lives of other other persons, mm -hmm. especially with regard to the archa avatar or the the, the the manifestation of Krishna in the form of a deity. Mm -hmm. There are many many uh, examples in our um, history of Gaudi Vaishnavism of such. Mm -hmm. Which would be maybe an introductory way of, if you will, of, uh, of 
um, starting to see Krishna. And for that matter, Prabhu, you, you have seen him too. You've seen the deity and you don't see him as a stone. Why don't you see him as a stone? Why do you treat him the way that you do? You must be seeing something that ordinary people don't see. It's become so common for you that you don't think it to be extraordinary, but it is. All right, another question? Um, Shamasundar, you want to translate the question in the chat? Well, um, I think I understand your question. Are you repeating it in Spanish for the Spanish? Okay. I think I understand the question, but it, it, it doesn't seem very peculiar to me uh, to uh, find that uh, some family members of household devotees uh, don't become devotees. It seems like a, a good possibility that that might happen, but um, it, it's perplexing to you. So I'll try to think about that and answer it in a way that uh, may um, do away with some of that. Uh, well, I say it's not, it's not that odd uh, to me. I mean, in today's world, particularly people become inimical towards their parents all the time. Um, you know, it, it, let's, and you, let's look at it at a higher example, because we say, well, there are all kinds of devotees. How much is a parent a devotee? Um, you know, maybe that's a problem. Uh, and their kids become inimical because, well, the parents didn't really understand Bhakti, didn't really represent it. Um, and uh, well, and so the, the parent, the children are becoming opposed to something that's not even bhakti. But take it to a higher level, let's look at someone like Prabhupada. Okay, I think he did, was probably a pretty good devotee <laughs> and uh, set a good example and so on and so forth. But his, uh, uh, his sister became a great devotee. His father was a devotee. His mother, we don't know that much about, but she was struggling enough materially to sell her. Oh no, that's his mother. His mother was a devotee. Also, his wife. I'm thinking his wife was was. I'm not sure if his wife was an initiated uh, devotee. Uh, she probably was. Um, but um, his sons um, did not become devotees. Did they become inimical? Um, I'm not sure. Um, 
they really became inimical to, to bhakti. They may have wanted something from bhakti, like Prabhupada became famous and in their estimation wealthy, and they thought, one of them at least thought he should get something out of that. Um, so um, you, know, you have sons of Advaita, who was certainly a devotee, <laughs> Advaitacharya, that um, some of them followed him, some of them didn't, but the ways in which they followed, didn't follow him were basically uh, to see himself, Advaita, their father, as the source of, of uh, Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu rather than the reverse, which their father seemed to emphasize. Um, so I, uh, I don't know, um, um, and maybe I, you know, I'm not thinking of it uh, so thoroughly, but I don't know many examples of, of great devotees, family members becoming inimical to Bhakti, but it could happen. Um, um, and very simply, one of the ways it could happen is that, that despite the opportunity of Bhakti that we're blessed with, uh, there is always the the, the chance that we may make offense due to just the nature of our conditioning. If we make offense to bhakti, then it can start to manifest in us as lack of taste for bhakti, lack of interest in bhakti, and it could develop further into enmity towards uh, devotees or opposition uh, to bhakti. So, I mean, the jiva is, 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 um, is susceptible despite the opportunity of bhakti, being blessed with the opportunity, is susceptible nonetheless to moving away from bhakti before having attained bhava, which is bhakti proper. Sadhana bhakti is kind of bhakti in, in apprenticeship, if you will. It's uh, largely in, in involves cleansing the heart um, and so forth. The emotive component of bhakti, which is so central to it, which is what bhakti rasa is, is, is arising out of, is um, in place when the devotee reaches bhava bhakti. So he kind of only has half, kind of only, excuse me, kind of only has kind of only has half a bhakti we have as sadhakas. We're doing the actions of bhakti, but we don't have the emotions. Our emotions are not trans transcendental hmm, and driving our hearing and chanting as they are in Bhava Bhakti. We have the motions, hmm, but we don't have the emotions that correspond with them as they do in Bhava Bhakti. So um, prior, anyway, my point is to attaining Bhava Bhakti, there's every opportunity for um, a devotee to um, make offense um, and there are many examples of that go against Bhakti, and there are repercussions, you know, one of which could be you know, losing one's perspective, faith in Bhakti, and even opposing Bhakti. So to me, as I say, it doesn't seem like it's very perplexing that that might happen. Bhakti is very rare. Attaining Bhava Bhakti is, in the word of Rupa Goswami, Sudurlaba, not Durlaba, but Sudurlaba very very difficult um that not that's not said to discourage us but it's a fact manushanam said it another way manushanam sahasveshu kastya nyatati siddhaye 
Das ist sagen, ob ist der da an einem Kostüm wird die da vom Dieter. That one in a thousand may inquire amongst those who inquire, one in one in a thousand may may attain and so forth. And and Bhagavatam takes it to another level. Narayana Parayana, Nakutaschalapikana. Muktanam Sabisidhanam. Amongst Muktas, very few attain Samipya, personal service of Narayan, would speak of Krishna. So, as rare as it is, despite the extent, which is considerable, I would say, to which bhakti is made available, especially through the service of our bhakti Vinod paribar in the world today, and this is, of course, bhakti as it's understood by in Gaudi Vaishnavism, despite that, the rarity of it, and despite the profuse distribution of it, there seems to be plenty of reason and opportunity for someone to um, lose sight hmm, of what's about the material world is not something to be underestimated, the Maya, the Maya Shakti. Krishna says, Mama Maya it's, it's very difficult, it's impossible to overcome without, without taking shelter of me. I mean, it's insurmountable. It's a, it's a, it's a quite a, a web that we have weaved, having you know begun to deceive, if you will, being deceived that the, the thing that with the body. So it's and in today's world, there's just so much. Also, despite widespread sharing of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and the reasoning behind it, the competition is considerable for people's attention. Um, so can be raised in a family of devotees, but um, the world is, is, is pretty strong. So, and that's our samskar. You know, our tendency is for, since for eons, since the time without a memorial is going in another direction. So if a powerful devotee can come into our life and change the course of our direction, that, that's possible. But without keeping close association, we could again become distracted and so forth. And, uh, and it, it, it could lead to, to becoming inimical, even if it's, it's possible it happens. I've seen many examples. So I guess I've seen so many examples of it that I don't think it's peculiar. But maybe I'm missing something in your question. If so, I'm happy to um, hear further from you and try to answer more um, to the point of your question. It's hard, it's, it's, it's far from, in my mind, uh, a given, um, that um, if your family, parents are devotees, that, that you will be a devotee. There are, the court, again, I, I guess there are statements, well, amongst the associates of Mahaprabhu for so many generations, there'll be, there'll be devotees, or one becomes a devotee, purifies his family for uh, so many generations back and forward. That may be, but there may be, that may be interrupted mm -hmm. by, like I say, offense, which may, foster further offense and even opposition to Bhakti, at least for some time. So what else or what more? Um, I'm going to ask a question and I hope that um, it's received properly. Um, we have, you know, Padmanabha Swami's here with us right now and we've been having some discussion, quite a number of discussions on um, his book and 
I just have a question about, I know that um, Brindaranya is coming out with a number of articles that are maybe opposed to his position. And so my question is, how do we as a Sangha maturely navigate a difference of opinion within our Sangha, which seems to be a really important piece of Siddhanta? Well, I think that uh, you know Padmanabha's Maharaj's his, his book starts out as um, um, what he refers to as an appeal for uh, open-minded uh, discussion on uh, philosophical on a particular philosophical point. Mm -hmm. uh, then he goes on to make a, his case um, for. Um, for the argument, and um, and so, uh, should that invitation be ignored, um, or are there other ways to to think about the subject? And um, if there are, then uh, I would I would prefer personally to see them come from our own sangha than from some other sangha. <laughs> that, that, that seems to be uh, more, uh, more desirable uh, from, from my point of view. And um, I think that, um, that I have thought about this issue from different sides uh, at different times. And I um, tried for a long time to um, give philosophical support from what I understood to be Bhaktivinoda Thakur's position that some in other Paribars um, or, uh, opposed, um, but I was unable to uh, um, make a convincing argument. And I also found that those arguing on the side of Bhaktivinoda Thakur within his, within his party bar were largely, um, in contemporary times, were largely just emotional and they weren't making good arguments. They weren't even willing to listen to good arguments. So that was rather off-putting um, to me. And when I heard good arguments from the other side and, and, and saw the support for them, that um, I began to think perhaps Bhaktivinoda Thakur's position um, is not what it appears to be on the surface. How can I harmonize that? Maybe it was a preaching strategy. I thought that for a while. Um, but by the time that Padmanabha was writing his book, I told him that I, I wasn't comfortable with that um, um, conclusion. And I suggested to him that he just write down what, you know, um, he could draw from the Goswami's literatures about it being bestowed and not deal with the fact that uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur said something different. But he was um, uh, more inspired to, to try to do that and, 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 and in his mind harmonize Bhaktivinoda Thakur's perspective with the Goswamis by way of saying that, well, he said it one way here, he said it differently there, 
we'll take the way he said it here that corresponds with what um, what Jiva Goswami says and dismiss the other without knowing exactly why he would have said that at any particular time. And um, that was, I, I, would, I don't know how well received that was. Um, and um, I think in his own conversation with me, he acknowledged it didn't really resolve the issue. Why Bhakti Vinod is saying this. Um, so um, if someone else um, in the Gaudiya Sampradaya, what speak of our Sampradaya, comes up with the scriptural uh, support and reasoning for why Bhaktivinoda Thakur has uh, taught the way he has, that would seem to be a welcome, something welcome. Um, again, by his own mission, Padmanabharsh hasn't been able to do that. And in trying to do that, um, it has um, caused members of other sanghas to um, criticize him. Hmm. Whether that's warranted or not, that's, that's another thing. Um, but they have criticized him by way of saying, well, you know, look, Bhakti Notakra said this, who are you to say, you know, he didn't mean it or whatever. Maybe you don't understand why, but it's not your position, you know. Whether their criticism is valid or not, that, that's another thing. Um, but um, again, if it can be shown that what Bhaktivinoda Thakur was saying is actually supported by the Goswamis, and that there, there are there is more than one way to interpret core texts and core statements. Um, for example, that Padmanabharji himself has, has cited that are supportive of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's position, then uh, you know it's it's an answer to the invitation that Maharaj himself has given. He should be, and I'm sure he is. Um, happy to be proven wrong, not that we want to be, we'd like to be proven right, but what we really want is what's right. What we really want is the, is, you know, to come to a, conc a conclusion. You may have a strong case that we make based on the way we looked at it, the way we've been taught even, hmm? um, but if something comes to the other side, well, then uh, that's what we're looking for. So I think that, um, uh, Vinaran is a special person, no doubt, and uh, it may come out in what she, um, what, what she, um, what she writes. Um, one of the things that is coming out, I would say, is that that for whatever, whatever it's worth, this argument has been um, kind of framed unofficially by many devotees in their minds, if you will, that Bhakti Vinodhaka is over here and everybody else is over here. Mm -hmm. I don't think the evidence supports that. And, um, and, and it, may be, it may be more that the outlier position is, is, is on the opposite side interestingly enough. Um, now, that said, another point, and I touched on this, but to underscore it, is that if there are different valid interpretations, let's say you interpret Jiva Swami like this in the Sundarbhas, 
in a particular way by saying that, oh, you know, Jiva Goswami says here that the ananda of the jiva is only the absence of distress. Well, if you look at the Sanskrit, the term actually says it's the opposite of distress. So you know, there's different ways you can interpret that. You could say the opposite of stress is no distress. You could say, well, no, the opposite is, is bliss. It may be little, but it's bliss. You know? So it, uh, it, and you can try to support that somehow by going to other texts that, that it's only lack of bliss. But there you can look at the other texts and perhaps there's a way of to demonstrating from, from those texts in a larger text and other sampradayas and so forth that, 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 uh, that Jiva has an ananda in its swarup. Hmm. Just giving one example, and, and, and it, which is a position that I believe is taken by Bhakti Vinotakura. Hmm. Um, so if, if you string together enough of these core uh, statements um, as to the nature of the jiva hmm, um, that um, can be interpreted differently than the way they're interpreted, for example, in, um, in Marge's book, which is largely the way um, uh, Satyarayan and his Sandarbhas has, has interpreted. And he makes a good argument there, but uh, if it can be interpreted validly in another way and supported, then you don't necessarily have one right and one wrong either. You could have two different interpretations and um, and I think as you play them out and look, well, if this is true, then what about this? And if this is true, then what about how we look at that? Well, you're going to find in either case, you're going to find oh, that doesn't support this so much, but this one doesn't support that much. Problem over here, problem over there, which brings you to the fact that, that all these are philosophical arguments about the nature of the self, really, which is uh, something that... Um, in reality, transcends thought and word, and you can look at every 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 founding acharya of every Vaishnava sampradaya how they've talked about the nature of the jiva. They've all talked about it differently. If you look closely, they look they talked about it more. Uh, some of the things that you think would be a big difference are actually not as much may not be as much of a difference. Um, still, when it's all said and done. Let's say Balaba talked about it in one way, Madhva in another way, Ramanuja in another way, we, and, and Jiva Goswami in another way. Baladev within Gaudiya Sampradaya, Baladev do some in, in a different way, slightly, from Jiva Goswami. Hmm? Uh, is there room for that? And it's still called Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Well, uh, who's Baladev Vijibhusam? You know, he would say, yeah. Um, and, and when it's all said and done, you know, it's something different than all of what everybody says. I mean, it, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's similar, but, but it's more. It's, it's what, what the, the truth lies in, in realization through practice that cannot be then articulated uh, comprehensively and captured in word and thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's some relativity uh, at the same time is what I'm saying to you know, any attempt, um, that's not to dismiss the attempt. The attempt ultimately is efficacious to the extent that it inspires devotees to practice. Hmm? And, and 
engage in transrational uh, exercises that can afford them experience of the nature of the self and God beyond, I say, what can be said about them or thought about them. Um, and of course, that doesn't give a license to say, well, whatever inspires you, fine, you know, you can just make up anything. No, uh, you know, within certain parameters, uh, philosophical parameters, obviously, of core uh, teachings and so forth. So, so you know, um, uh, and Bernalani, I think, is answering the um, the invitation of of Padmaramaraj, and uh, and she's not doing it like anybody else has. I mean, she's. Um, and, which to me, as I heard before, was kind of a, you know, an emotional response. Bhaktivinoda's knows, right? You know, you think he's you, you can it gets all you know. There's no like theology, no philosophy, and so forth. So, so it's good. It's, it's welcome, and this is part of a you know the nature of a, of, a, of a tradition. Hmm? that in the course of a tradition, arguments will come up. That's hmm? not the first time that differences of opinion on a particular uh, aspect of the philosophy have arisen in Gaudiya Vaishnavism and then have been answered to the satisfaction of the community you know, to an extent, and it moves on. Let's take what I referred to earlier, Swakiya of Jiva Goswami. Swakiya's perspective, his, his real position, with regards to the nature of the uppercut leela, uh, or, or is it not? Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a big issue. It was answered um, to, the, to the satisfaction of the community largely by Vishwanachokri Thakur in his commentary on Ujjwal Nilamani mm -hmm. at the very onset. Um, and so, community has come to look at it in a certain way. But at the same time, not everybody who's a Gaudiya Vaishnava accepts the way the majority have embraced Vishwana Chokritaku's resolution. Do I, you know, and and you know they have good reason for it. Now they're there. They would be a minority who who maintain that Jiva Goswami's real position was Swakiya and in Goloka and so forth. But um, I, I don't call them demons for it. <laughs> you know. So there's a there's a there's a place for for this even within the Sampradaya. Ramanuja had Sampradaya has like 10, 20 different different divisions between two sects within that 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 spawned after after Ramanuja. Mincing, you know, I mean, and these are arguments that the vast majority of devotees are going to have no interest in it. Even if they have interest in, they can't even understand them. They can't. They just don't have the acumen to do that. Doesn't. It's not a, a fault on their part or anything like that. But, um, but um, their bhakti is not necessarily going to be uh, impeded by it. Now, we do want to know the siddhanta, which will help us the tattva to help us, uh, you know, pursue the um, ideal, but um, if you take, it's very clear, for example, from Bhaktivinoda Thakur's perspective, 
that without Satasanga, there's there's no possibility of attaining the uh, the ideal of Prem Bhakti. Hmm? Now, if he spoke about it in such a way that minimized the necessity for Satasanga, then it could be a problem. Now, he spoke about Bhakti, the Sarup of the Jiva being something that is, as far as I understand, Bhakti Mata is something that it's that's already um, there to be realized, if you will, the self to be realized. Um, um, but not without absolute necessity of sadhusanga, which in effect is 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 even if it's there. I mean, use the term the very the very title of Maharaj's book. I objected to Maharaj's title. Um, I thought it was. Uh, misleading I suggested to him other alternatives but he wanted to stick with it now that says something all this says something about me the way I am hmm? I mean someone thinks it's a problem that two of my disciples have different opinions about it let's say a, 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 a philosophical point within Gaudiya Vaishnava how can that be and the guru only has one opinion how can the disciples have two different ones which one's right and, yeah, I'm not like that. <laughs> there are different opinions and there's room for them. Hmm? It's okay. Hmm? Um, to some extent. So, uh, you know, inherited, you know, inherited or inherent. Well, if it's inherited based on the word, it's already there. <laughs> You've got it. You just have, it, it, it's your inheritance, hmm? right? You have an inheritance for your son or whatever, right? It's in there in your mind. It already exists, right? So, um, if it's if it's in that sense, if it's inherited, well, then, then it's already there. Yeah, you're going anyway. You understand? It's 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 uh, and it needs to be bestowed also. So, I, I thought there could have been better a better title, but but. You know, I'm not. Some students will take what I say very seriously, every detail, and you know, want to, and and some may want to, you know, go with their idea, and and and, and I. So I, I I tend to say, we'll we'll go with it, see what happens, you know, yeah, see how it works, and it, it may be good. Maybe I mean that's just a you know simple kind of example, um, but I'm speaking a little bit about the way I, way I am. Hmm. And I, it's quite different, I think, than most of what I see and hear how the gurus are, you know, present themselves and deal with uh, issues. Everybody has to say exactly what they say, you know, to be right and, and so forth. Um, I look at life and I look at Brody Vaishnavism as an ongoing, to use Sridharmarsh's term, we're all students forever. There's always more to be learned. It's a very peculiar thing in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and I mentioned this the other, other day uh, with regard to the nature of eternity. And that is that there is no past, present, or future in eternity. Okay, that's everybody agrees with that, right? But in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, at the same time, the nature, the momentum in eternity is such that it is continually enriching itself which is therefore it's to use Bhakti Nautaka's term 
in his Nitamala, he, he describes Krishna as Sunutanamurti. Uh, so it always knew the form of God that's always new. It's always new. It's always so eternal newness. I mentioned this, I think, you know, but last week or a couple weeks before. Eternal newness. That's peculiar <laughs> to go to Vaishnavism. I talk about it and help it make sense for, for us to our satisfaction, but it um, it's it's kind of contradictory to the normal understanding of eternity. There can be no new events. Well, unfortunately, fortunately, there are in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and therefore there's a place for you, for all of us in the Aprakat Leela. It's a new event. Did it already happen? Is it already going on? You're already, <laughs> yeah. anyway, so that's interesting. But uh, so for me, um, this, you know, there's one thing in the teaching and then it's how, what, what actually, how that actually plays out in, in reality. So um, for me, life is, is material and spiritual, is, is, is full of new things to learn all the time. And some of the things even may have been true in the past that aren't true now, that's even possible. So I'm open. Um, and, um, and, you know, and, and some, some of us, uh, some of, most of the devotees, whether they understand entirely that about me, that about me comes through in such a way that it, it attracts them. And it's a good reason to, uh, as to why they're, they're part of our Sangha. Now, this can be abused too. Um, um, and I'm not saying, hey, it's whatever you think is fine. You know, and you look at it however you want. You know, obviously that's, that's not what I'm saying. But so those are some thoughts about that. Um, and um, I, I, I'll see, we'll see, um, but uh, from what I've seen so far, Rinaranda's insights are uh, considerable and will be surprising. Hmm. Um, any good one? That was, that was so helpful. I'm really oh. grateful for, for you taking the time to really talk it out because I think it's important so that you know I can see an immature um, possibility of a response being taking sides and well I'm, I'm on this side you know, I, you know just I think it's just what what you said was just so beautiful and something that um well, it takes sides for that matter who knows but Manava may take Brindarani's side when he hears, when she hears, he hears her. Yeah, yeah. That's all I mean. To have, you can have sides on the issue, but not to become divided sides. on, you know. I mean, sometimes these things become emotional, and then there's a division that's more, you know, more, more of a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. yeah, that's the problem. And that, you know, that's what I guess I was sensing could be, you know, hopefully not, but just thinking that possibility being there to have you give us some guidance through it yeah okay well good so thank you so much okay well that takes a little over time so we probably so, missed some questions but hopefully we'll get to them next week yes we will thank do you everything. so much and um okay. we will see everyone back here next sunday okay Hare Krishna. it's always a plan <laughs> Hare Krishna, Haribo everyone.